Confetti's Cafe. What is it? I feel like that's a very valid question here. Um, it is basically a podcast that speaks about the hyperfixations that I've had over the years, because there's been a lot of them. And I think it can be really relieving, or even exciting in a way, to express how you're feeling about these kind of things and like talk about what you're passionate about. So that's kind of what this is for me. Um, I don't have always an outlet to talk about these things with, so being able to like talk about it in, podca in podcast form I think is really cool. I feel like I should at least explain to people what a hyperfixation is, um, because I feel like not everybody may know. These obsessions aren't just a simple interest, you can learn everything about them. You, it can, and it doesn't have to be, a, it can be anything, it could be a, a movie, it could be an event, facts, uh, a hobby of yours. But once you learn, uh, I know for me at least, when you learn these things or you've had enough of these things, you'll just cut them off. Today we're going to be talking about the horror anthology series on YouTube, Local 58. So yes, you can literally go watch this, like right now. No, not right now. Stick around here. Don't, don't go anywhere yet. Um, but yeah, this is on YouTube if you wanted to go watch it. Local 58, created by the genius mind of Chris Rob. If his name sounds even the slightest bit familiar, it was probably because he was one of the minds behind Campbell Cove, a very popular creepypasta that was picked up for a season of Channel Zero, a show by sci-fi that, from what I re remember, was based on creepypastas. Creepypastas were online horror stories, shorts, could be about anything really. I, that's condensed, I'm not going to, into detail about creepypastas. So here's the thing that I knew like really sent me into like a spiral of fascination with these videos. It was like, it, it was smart horror. It wasn't reliant on like these really cheap jump scares or something that uh, like it was just, it wasn't up in your face. You had to think about it, but not too much where you, you couldn't even be scared because you had to think too much about what to be scared about. It wasn't anything like that. There was no visual shock value either. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with a good jump scare, because in there, there's like a few like little ones that, like if you look for them, like they're good, like they're good. Um, but yeah, it's just, I like when it makes sense and it doesn't just fill the space. Like that always just makes it feel so much better. So, so much better and like so much more rewarded to be scared, which I guess that sounds really pretentious to me, but whatever. So, I think first I want to talk about my favorite episode, or like, alright, so it's not even my favorite episode, but it's the one that blatantly just gave me the most chills, like, to this day. Like, I, it's like, just good. It's so good. It's so well done. So, the episode in question here is going to be weather service. Now, um, so in terms of views, actually, this is the video that, in the series, uh, it has like the second most amount of views. So it is one of the more popular ones, and it has like just under 2 million views, I think. But like, that doesn't even- that's like, the view count doesn't even play a role in my favoritism of it, right? Like, my favoritism is just solely based on how well this is done. Like, I will gawk at, like, the writing of this episode so much. Like, it is pure genius. I am sorry. Kinda. Um, but yeah, there's like a certain, like, I don't know, there's a certain visualization aspect to it. Like, there's a lot of simplicity in the concept in general of, like, um, how do I put this? So, like, there's, it's a small town TV station and it goes completely bonkers. That's just the exact, like, if I was to make it into a thesis, 
small town TV station goes completely bonkers. When you're watching this, there's like this sort of immersion of like, oh, this very much could be real. Uh, well, not very much, like, you know, like, <laughs> like it's not that far out there, like a gone rogue TV station. And like, honestly, you want a little recommendation? If you decide you want to watch the series, please try and stream it to your TV or a, like a larger device. It just really adds a certain wow factor to it. Highly recommend, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, so the emergency, you know, like those emergency alerts, like if they, if they were for like tests or nuclear fallout, God forbid, but they would come up on screen, they're like, er, er, er. the emergency alert goes off and they're essentially telling you, they're like, hey, some there's some sketchy space shit is going on. Do not look outside with your naked eyes. Just do not, no matter what, don't, don't question it. Which, by the way, let me tell you, if I was plopped right into the situation, I know my curiosity would not really kill the cat, but it would it would corrupt it would corrupt my cranium per se. Cause like, come on, come on. Well, it seems like there's some freaky shit going on in space. We seriously advise you don't look at the sky. By the way, that was my really high key chills impression. If you didn't get that, but like that's the exact thing that would make me look. It's like when someone's like. Hey, hey Patricia, don't look now, but Joshua is totally looking at you. I don't know, that wasn't a good squeal. Anyways, and then the Patricia gummy dummy bitch whips her head around and Joshy Washy Machine is sitting there like, hi Squidward, that smirk. It's like the same thing, you know, someone tells you not to look and you're just gonna look anyways. It's psychology. The news broadcast is airing a broadcast of a literal flip-flop. Like, it's just two different points of views being flip-flopped of, hey, look at the moon. No, don't look at the moon. Yoo-hoo, we have strawberry milk, but only on the moon. That is expired. Liars, wee-woo, do not look at the moon. But there's always the pick-me civilians who are like, hmm, well, well, well. I think I will be just like the darnest little daredevil and take even, I don't know, a little cheesecake sliver of a peek. You know what happens to them? Robert, they died. Okay, so maybe it was like a tad dramatic, cause like, I don't even know what happens to them. Technically nobody does, canonically, but it's fine. Um, they were just like screaming. They were scream- at the end of the video, it seems like a lot of people have succumbed to like just looking anyways. And they're all screaming. Like you can just hear out the window screaming. Like a like you know, like imagine a large group of nine-year-old believers back in 2012. I mean, that's kind of what they were screaming like. So like you tell me what happened. Genuinely, you tell me what could have possibly happened for them to be screaming like that? You can't. So let me just I'm gonna paint you all a gorgeous and bone-chilling little Picasso picture here, right? You're on your sofa, love seat, chair, whatever. You're all by yourself. The clock on the cable box reads something like 1am. You're watching a news station that you randomly clicked to. So they're winding down their broadcast day and you are just about to shut the TV off when those freaky emergency alert messages start beeping on the screen. By the way, let me just pause here and say those on their own are so terrifying. So horrifying actually. It's like just complete silence. Like the room actually goes quiet. Your TV goes black and it just starts beeping. Your TV starts beeping like it instilled so much panic in me as a child. Like it actually there was no, there was nothing more horrifying than that. Actually, so funny story. When I was a kid, I was watching like what was it? It was like Bubba Guppy used the George or the George Lopez show. 
whatever was on, and this emergency broadcast went on. And if this happened, what I would do is I would, I'm not even kidding, this is not being overdramatic, I would fling myself off the side of the bed, and I would press my little hands over my ears as hard as I could. My heart was like racing, like imagine me running a marathon, my heart flying all over the place, flying. Um, and the TV static too, actually, was something that would make my bow rattle. Like it was a horror, <laughs> it was horrifying, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> it would make my bones rattle, just like a, just like a bucket of popcorn. Like imagine, you know when you get a bucket of popcorn from movies and it's kind of shaking around? That's what my bones were rattling, like that's the sound they would make. And don't ask how the analogy makes sense, okay? Just moving on, okay? When your cable would lose connection as a kid, and like that rainbow thing would come up on screen, it would be complete silence, it was just nerve-wracking, okay? But besides for childhood trauma from the television going a bit wonky, let me, let me get back to what I was talking about. Something that I really indulged in while hyperfixating on the series was the theories and the commentary surrounding it. Because truthfully, it's really cool to see someone whose content you really enjoy. Talking about content, you also really enjoy. Yeah, so there's three people in general who I really want to talk about specifically today who have at one point or another like theorized or at least commented on the series. The first person of the conversation will be Nexpo, the YouTube creator whose video like actually introduced me to the series, sent me into this whole rabbit hole. And it gave me an introspective view uh, on like on the visuals, you know? Um, but like the sound design, the plot, like these, just these little details that I don't think on my own I would have picked up on, or maybe I would, depending on how much time I spent on it, but this was one of the more brief hyperfixations of mine. So um, I feel like that's why it's good. This is just a good topic to start with, honestly. Um, the second person I'm gonna be talking about is MatPat, um, the beloved host of Game Theory, Film Theory, and um, Food theory, that's another, that's another one he does, is f uh, food theory, that's right. And the, the third person I'm gonna be talking about is really under the radar, really underground, underrated, Twitch streamer and YouTube content creator, Wilbur Soot, who made mention of Local 58 while on one of his uh, fellow creator streams, Filza, Filza Minecraft, uh, very good streamers, by the way. So the first point of view that I'm gonna be revisiting is Nexpo, as I said. Now, Nexpo is, really, really underrated, I feel like. Um, Nexpo really does have a big audience, but I think, um, the thing I really like about Nexpo is how logical and analytical the videos are. Uh, it's like very, it feels like there is very little left to theorize or interpret. Like, there's no interpretation available because it's all very laid out for you. He does have his, like, theories about it, and, uh, like, of course, and you, of course you're gonna, like, theorize about it. So in Nexpo's video, um, he, uh, drew a lot of attention to the details of, to the details of Loka 58. He analyzed, I, I'm pretty sure it was every episode in the series. It was easily every episode in the series. So one of the most interesting details that he pointed out were the little easter eggs, right? They, they're they like things that I feel like on my own, I'm not analytical enough to realize, but like I kinda, like if I looked, if I really listened, maybe I could have. The sound production was just something that I inevitably would have picked up on eventually, but he really did call my eye to it just so much quicker. 
which, you know, that was great. And Matt Pat, he laid out a very good storyline, and that's all of it, his videos, honestly. His storylines make what he's- it seems like he's- what he's selling to you is just so believable, because how could you- how could you possibly not deny it? There's just so much, you know, like, evidence. How could you deny that? And I feel like his big selling point, or not his big selling point, but the main thing he was really trying to drive home was like, hey, aliens. Aliens, obviously. So, it, there's, I think, you know, I don't know if I want to talk about the creator this much. Um, but I, I, it's important just to call attention to the fact that Wilbur, um, MatPat, and Nexpo all just equally really drove my interest on whatever little piece of information about this that I could absorb up was like just so great. It was like just amazing. So another episode that today I won't watch it. I cannot I can't get myself to watch the episode. Um is Cartoon for Children or Show for Children. I I can't give you guys the exact name honestly. But Show for Children was just absolute. I cannot watch to this day. I always have to turn my head. It, it, not to be a little baby, but kind of to be a little baby. I have to turn my head. I like, I cannot watch it. It makes, it like makes my heart race. You know, it genuinely scares me. And I think it's primarily the imagery that's used because it's just something about the moon going over that like graveyard that the little character is laying in and what the character becomes. I'm not gonna spoil it too much, but there's a lot of moon imagery in general in the series. Like, because you can't exactly be sure if it's aliens or if it's the moon itself. Like, because it seems like it's all very moon-driven, but it's not- it's not the moon- the moon isn't- in itself isn't a live entity, is it? But in this universe you have to question, like, is it? Could it be? Listen, I don't think that makes it a bad episode. In fact, it's a very good episode. It's written well, it's animated well, but I think it's too well, you know? It's like, you hit some, like you hit, you managed to hit a box that I didn't even know was a box that I could not handle. And for like, to, it's, a, it's, an, it's an animation for children. Uh, obviously not really. I would not show that to a six year old and be like, hey, you'll enjoy this here. I have this, absolutely not that. Which, by the way, another thing I want to talk about, why, just tell me why is this meant for children with the time that it airs? In, in this episode, it says this is airing at 4 o'clock, 5 a.m., some, some time like that. You tell me what child is genuinely awake at this time. I mean, unless your child was either A, up all night, like I was a lot of time, which I think really adds another, fa another factor to this. Worst case scenario, and I mean worst case, because this is not the kind of thing you wish into fruition, but, um, if this was a real thing, let's say. This is a real thing in the universe, this is a real TV show, I would be up at that time, in theory, because as a child my insomnia, and still is, it's awful, sometimes I don't sleep at night, or some days I'm up just so early, some days I sleep too late. You know, there's never a good sleep balance there. So in theory, I would be up as a child watching this, which adds another another factor of almost, 
It's almost relatability because you can put yourself in the, in the shoes of a child who's who's watching this and just thinking, oh my god, like oh my god, this is horrifying. Because what kind what kind of show is it for a child to watch it? Another thing I really want to compliment with the series here is its use of mixed media. Right, the show's media is mixed so well. You know, there's animation, there's live action, there's like like actual TV broadcast, there's sleep instructional videos. Um, and I think one that I'm gonna talk about, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the fastest route. You're on the fastest route, it was something like that. And in this episode, it's like live action. There is no TV station here. This is just somehow like a dash cam footage that ended up on TV, which is just insane to me. In it, someone's on the road, it's raining very bad, right? This, it doesn't, it doesn't even seem safe to be driving in that condition, but the, whoever's in this video, they are. They are driving in it, unfortunately. So, they turn on a GPS system, and they're trying to find of the fastest way home. They turn on the GPS, and, and it says, you are on the fastest available route. You are on the fastest The GPS, route. at first it seems like the GPS is taking said person back home, but we find out that's really not true because the, the driver begins getting taken in these very strange directions. Traffic ahead, rerouting. In 10 miles, take exit 17, then turn right onto Quarry Utility Road South. Until eventually, there's this like off-road forest woods type of deal that they turn down. They keep going down this road, keep going down this road, and then they, the car crashes. The car crashes. And it's like, I can't tell, I couldn't tell you without re-watching the episode exactly why the car crashes. And it's flipped over. Now, the driver gets out of the car, walks around, and on this dash cam footage, I want to say the driver gets out and you hear a scream. I couldn't exactly t tell you if that's a fact check or not. But, like, I don't know if that's a fact check. Sorry. Um, but we see an alien figure of sorts standing there in the woods for a split second. But in the second that I saw it, the second that I saw it, it made my stomach turn. It was like, oh my god. Because you forget for a second that you're only watching. You're only watching a video. It's like, it's it's almost dissociative in a way of, you know, this person or whatever. This is this is dash cam footage. That that's something we see every day. Whether it be that um, like people get natural disasters, car accidents, getting pulled over by cops. It, literally anything is captured on these, so it's not something that's so uncommon to see. Which just makes it so much more, like, just insane, really. Your destination has moved is just bone-chilling in itself. It's just some- like, I can picture it in my brain. I can picture it in my brain. And it just- it's so off-putting. It's good, though. If, if if I think if something can do that for you, you know you have good horror. Like it's just so well done. 
The big introduction to horror for me was uh, James A. Janice's or Dead Meets The Kill Count. Um, that made horror movies so much more tolerable for me. Um, and like now I'm obsessed with horror. Like horror, you I, even when I was, I, you know, it just built this intolerance to scary videos and scary conspiracies, all of that. Like it just, it built it up and it, and it made me finally able to enjoy the medium, which I, to this day, am just so glad about because I love horror now. Horror is great. This is probably going to be a shorter episode released on Spotify um, because I'm just training today, I feel like is the best way to put it. But warming myself up to improving exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. Another big issue here was just that, um, so I actually haven't looked into Local 58 in a very long time because the podcast just kept getting delayed. I was going to record it back in September and August. I've been wanting to do it for so long now. And I just, I haven't. So, you know, this is all going off in memory. However, I do want to say that um, I'm going to be doing another episode of Confetti's Cafe very soon, recording it actually, and I want to have it up sometime next week. And I'm going to be talking about the Chernobyl nuclear incident. That's just history. Like, that's history. Um, and I can tell you actively about that like the back of my hand um because i've i've just looked into it so much we're sorry you have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service if you feel you have reached this recording in error please check the number and call you call again